0: Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Mr. Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing?
1: I'm alright, thanks. You're not.
0: You're not. You're drinking. You're rehydrating. I'm fine. Sign of a big weekend. No, I'm fine. Okay. You look fine. Let me live. Okay. Let me live. <laughs> oh, how the tables turn. How the tables turn. How are you? I'm very good indeed. Very happy indeed.
1: Looking very smug. What's, what have you done? The usual. <laughs> Is it because you... <laughs> I had a tactics conversation with Jill Ellis. It is. Okay. So are we allowed to talk about this? Yeah, Should we, we save are. it for later, actually? Because so, we've got some admin to deal with. Let's do admin first. Okay. Loads of admin. Okay. So, the first thing is... An apology. Is it an apology? Yes, I think it is. Go on. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, first of all, thanks to the hundreds of you who came after me last week <laughs> for my pronunciation of... Kira. So, I would like to address this. Go for it. I got hauled in front of the Stadio dubious disciplinary panel. <laughs> Obviously, last week we were talking about some games being cancelled due to Storm Sabina in the U- in Germany, which was, I think, an extension of Storm Kira in the UK. Yeah. Now, I would like to clarify that I know how to pronounce the name Kira. And if I caused any offence to the good people of Ireland... I'm deeply sorry.
0: You're making a joke at the RNBC. If so. I
1: pronounce it properly, I couldn't have made my Sierra joke.
0: That's true, actually.
1: I can't remember who got in touch on Twitter, so apologies. But I want to shout out Alex Peters, who sent us a really great email saying... Um It was was under the title, Ryan insults entire island of Ireland. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Impressive. So yeah, obviously I've just wanted to make sure that people knew that I do know how to pronounce Kira. Yeah, you do. That
0: was was the joke. Yeah.
1: Thanks. So, you know, I shouldn't make the same mistake this week, so I'm going to pronounce Storm Denis properly.
0: Talking of Storms, Stormzy is playing this week, and I've got tickets to see him, so I'm quite oh. smug smic- about that.
1: Oh, how nice. There we go. Another bit of admin. Where do you know me from? Sorry. Where do you know me from? Another bit of admin. Only a few days left on the Stadio t-shirts. Yeah. Go get him, go get him, go get him. We won't be doing another run of these. They're, they're gone forever. Forever, forever. And we mean it this time, because last time I think we said that, and then we lied. <laughs> <laughs> Fake news
0: on the studio yeah.
1: podcast. Uh, third bit of news. We got our first partnership. We did. So we signed a. Little, we didn't sign anything. What we're talking about, like this is official. Like we're that official. Ran uh. it through the lawyers. <laughs> so we teamed up with Mob. We've been wanting to do some preview stuff for a while, right? Yeah. And we're trying to figure out how to do it, and I don't know why we're going into this. I think just because we like communicating stuff with people, yeah. keep you in the loop. Yeah. So it's it's know good. what's going on. It's good. Good content. We've had a few sponsorship offers this year coming in various forms that we've not taken not on. Right.
0: Yeah. Not that very good about. It. Yeah.
1: Because they just didn't really feel like a good fit for us. So we've been chatting to FotMob about doing some stuff because we wanted to do some previews. We use FotMob anyway; we always have done. Like, I think if you remember one of the early episodes when I had to get FotMob in the club because I thought I saw Jürgen Klopp at a FotMob in
0: the club. <laughs> oh gosh!
1: <laughs> um, so we're going to be doing these weekly columns on a Friday morning where you and I will alternate. Yep. each week so I did the first one last week Well, we'll pick five games basically five to follow coming up and we'll write a little preview about it and then there'll be links to go and follow them within the FOTMOP app and then obviously we'll talk about the games which we were going to do anyway on the absolutely on the Monday and
0: your preview was Ryan's preview was outstanding
1: thanks so. my games came through huh they did they really did so I had uh, Hoffenheim Wolfsburg in the Frown Bundesliga on Friday night Dortmund Eintracht yeah Barcelona Getafe oh my goodness Lazio Inter Cracker. And Lille Marseille. They were my five. Boss levels. And they were all amazing. Boss levels. (laughs) You got you got you got BetterCon Correct this week, Musa.
0: Ryan's that guy.
1: Yeah. I mean (laughs) no no one knows about previews. They're such potluck, so I'm taking no credit, but I'm taking all the credit. Take all the credit, yeah, do it. (laughs) Have we got any other admin to deal with?
0: Uh if you check out our uh, podcast, please give a rating on Apple Podcasts. Are we doing that first? It ha- really helps to grow the podcast. <laughs> oh, really helps to grow the podcast. Oh, 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 oh.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> on to more serious matters. We've got some serious shit to deal with this week. We do. Right. First of all, are we going to talk about Musa Marega? Yeah, I think we have to. Because this was horrible. Yeah. I also want to talk about the BBC thing for Derby. Which oh my was
0: goodness, Ramage. Grim.
1: I think the first one we spoke about was the Lukaku... Calory thing, which actually had a bit of an update this week. I, I think, think Calory finally got, finally banned the the three, fans. Three
0: supporters got banned for life. I think,
1: yeah. And that was also the same day that Graham Souness came out with some silly stuff about Moise Kane, right? And we've referenced some incidents this season, but we've not gone into a huge amount of depth on many of them because what, it's the same they, as before. What it's can just,
0: you really say? It's copy and replace. I think in this podcast, to be honest. There's not much else to say.
1: And people know our stance and stuff like this. Right, exactly. All I want to say quickly is,
0: I'm angry at the um, supporters, obviously, for the abuse. But I'm also angry at the way the players tried to keep him on the field. This was
1: horrible. Like,
0: here's the thing. Their views on whether they should have stayed on the field with him. So, Orega plays supporto Porto, was racially abused against Vitoria, got a yellow card for his trouble, I think, for his response to the, to the fans.
1: After scoring what? Turned out to be the winner yeah, for Porto. Yeah, walks,
0: walks off the field and then the players are trying to keep him on the pitch, his teammates. And the way they're holding him back, that's the thing that got me. It wasn't like, hey, just let him go, like it's too much. They were like quite forceful. When I saw the footage of it, I so read about it and I saw the footage, I just thought, they're lucky he's a good dude. He didn't swing on someone because they're really restraining him. They're basically almost like, yeah, just sit there and take it. That's how it feels. It's a quite a visceral thing. So yeah, much respect to him. And a friend of mine who's a big Porto fan Shout out to Joao uh, Zamith was like, you're cowards, he said. Because Porto was going, oh, we're a big family. And I think they tweeted, we're, 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 um, we're all a big family here. And my friend Joao was like, no, you're cowards. You should have backed him, but you made him walk alone. And that's kind of how I feel in it too, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was watching this interview that um, Wijnaldum did this week as well, when he was saying that he would walk off all the time. And I, I mean, we, we've said this before, we've spoke yeah. about it before, just take them off. Yeah. Take them off the pitch. Yeah,
0: No game is more important than that. Especially now, politically. I mean, look, to give some context to how things are with the far right in mainland Europe right now. Last week in Germany, they arrested 12 far right extremists who were planning attacks on 10 mosques in different federal states in Germany. I mean, that's the level to which people feel empowered and emboldened, right? You take a stand against something like this in the context of football, it does ripple out into society. It does have an impact. It's really important that institutions stick up for the right thing in, the, in these situations, especially now. And that, that's all I have to say about the Moraga thing.
1: I want to contrast that to something that happened on Friday in Germany in the Dritter League. Or so the third tip, Butzberger kickers were in Munster to play Preuss in Munster and they have a Ghanaian player, Leroy Quadwo. And he was racially abused during the game by one fan who was directing monkey chants towards him. And fans around that person pointed him out to stewards. He got detained escorted out of the stadium and there was a real kind of like scene of solidarity between both sets of players and officials on the pitch and the fans the home fans then started singing nazis rouse so nazis out basically yeah and we were saying before how yeah obviously we think players should walk off in, in instances like that but in this specific incident it was one fan no one joined in and this was a real example of how you can react in a really supportive and positive way.
0: It's brilliant. Actually. It's the kind of the silent majority, which often gets talked about speaking up Yeah, and such a powerful gesture. And you knew how powerful this gesture was because the amount of people that sent it to me saying, have you seen this? Have you seen this reaction? So clearly people are like, we are fighting back. We are, we do have the power to fight back and, you know, shout out to Munster. It's meant to be a great town mm. world accounts, worth a visit to all listeners.
1: And then back on a slightly less positive one, the BBC have taken uh, or said that they will no longer use Craig Ramage, who was on BBC Derby talking about something to do with, something that I couldn't remember what specific thing he was talking about, but he said that these players need to be pulled down a peg or two and it's a problem that you see with all all of the young black lads.
0: Unbelievable,
1: yeah. And what are we doing, really? Like, why is this, I I don't even like saying, when people say, why is this shit still happening? Do you know what I mean it's like just why is it happening? Yeah, this because this has always been the point of it. The point of it, the kind of
0: the cocky, the cocky black kid. It's just the standard. Like, all of us have got a story like this. I mean, almost all of us. Almost all of us, like you know, black guys, black people have had a problem at some point with attitude being questioned. It's just ridiculous how widespread this stuff is. Yeah. I'm not saying that my, I have the kind of the average black experience. At the same time. I heard this story and I thought, yeah, that's, that's standard. I've just heard that so many times before.
1: Just a completely unnecessary so word unnecessary, so added unnecessary, to that sentence.
0: So unnecessary. Taking down a peg or two. Like, what does, if you break that down, what does it mean? Like, it's the Paul Pogba thing, yeah. The Paul Pogba thing all over again, which is why I was so happy for Pogba to win that World Cup. I know he's had a bad couple of years on the field, apart from the World Cup, but I was just so happy that it was him mm. that did that, that scored that goal, the clincher, because mm. I just thought, well, you're always going at him. You're, it's, t- it's so easy to pick on these people. And they're human. It's not right. That's why I'll say that, because I'm... Yeah, I mean... I almost swore. I don't think I've swore on the podcast before. I almost you said... You have. Really?
1: Yeah, I have to edit it. You have.
0: Oh my God, sorry. Sorry, sorry. listeners. You're not sorry. Delete. No, not sorry.
1: Right then, on to more positive topics. <laughs> almost knocked an F-bomb there. Oh my God. Fuck! <laughs> uh, there's a bit of a shitstorm kicking off between UEFA and Manchester City. That is wild. So,
0: Man City banned... From the Champions League for two years, pending an appeal, but still the fact they actually went there. I thought Klopp handled it really well when they asked him about it. Yeah. So clever. Klopp was like, Oh, I don't really understand it. This is a matter that gives a complex distillation of Brexit like in ten minutes. Like, so Klopp did understand it, but he sidestepped it really well. He was like, I don't really understand it. But you know, I feel sorry for the for the players, for the manager, you know, on the footballing side, I feel sorry for them. And I thought, yeah, you handled that really well. Because actually, it is a to quote a word the Germans love so much, a shitstorm. UEFA finally coming down and saying you can't really get away with this widespread financial doping.
1: Did you see um, the video of Khaldun Al Mubarak rolling out with like a massively deep crew of lawyers? No, I didn't. Oh my goodness. Terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. I mean, I think talking about this actually is quite tricky because you've seen through various things that people have highlighted online how entrenched it makes football fans because we have nothing against Manchester City in the same way that, I mean, obviously we have our personal preferences or, or the things that we admire about football clubs, you know, especially being where we are in Germany. And there's so many football clubs that have these identities that are really quite positive or built on positive. And now, you know, football clubs in their very nature now at that level are never going to be completely, you know, clean or exactly. However, this stuff with Manchester City, I think it's clear to draw to draw to like a line almost. So, whatever we're going to say on this now is nothing to, against Guardiola, any of the players, or any of that sporting per yeah. se side of it right, right 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 their actions have affected that because it's obviously bluffed the figures yeah but we're not having a pop at pep here no this is not is about, no. we're not having a pop at anyone else i mean sure i think pep actually if we're going to do a super super deep dive on all of the stuff involved with man city i think pep comes in for some criticism at some point yeah that's fair but if i was actually pep in this scenario i was thinking about this if i was someone like pep in this scenario i would actually be really pissed off about this
0: can i feel can i say how i feel about it
1: yeah of course I feel like, actually,
0: weirdly enough, City being done for FFP is like Al Capone being done for tax evasion. And the reason I say that is because one of the things I'm most worried about as a United fan is us being taken over by an ownership whose political views, actions are so far beyond the pale. Now, were Manchester United to be bought by Saudi Arabia, given how they've operated in Syria and other places, I'd have profound misgivings about because I'd be worrying that this club was being bought as a front for certain activities. That sounds harsh, but that's how I, I've got to be honest, that's how I feel. And I'm saying that on the record, because I don't want City fans to listen to this and think, he's got an anti-City agenda. It's really not about this bigger than that. It's about football as a social club, as a, it, you know, for me, City, like City listeners, hopefully that hear this podcast will think, I respect Manchester City because it's bigger than, it's bigger than football. And Abu Dhabi bought Manchester City because they knew that City was bigger than football. They knew it was this great culture, this great history, and they wanted to sort of tap into that. And there are critiques that we don't make sometimes of the clubs and the ownership, because actually we just want to watch football. What well, we do, really. We just want to watch football and get into it. And I think that actually UEFA's punishment of, of uh, Man City was, it was a kind of punishment that was, something was coming. And in the same way that something is possibly coming for PSG in relation to other stuff, and I feel for City supporters because actually they supported their club, the bulk of those City fans supported their club through terrible times. And it's got
1: nothing to do with
0: them. Right. And I'm sure there are times that City fans feel it's been great to win this stuff, but there are maybe aspects of this that we're not so happy with. Like,
1: the, th- the thing that I feel really sorry for City fans about is that there's so much point scoring that goes on with fans you yeah. know, of, of rival clubs. And this is yet another thing that's we're going to be thrown at them that they have not like they've had
0: right. nothing and to do. And with. And I have absolute sympathy for that. Like I'm not I'm not here to. I'm almost, I'm here from the perspective of city fans who are like like we don't want this stuff attached to it. Let's let's do it straight. Let's do it clean. And I, I'm not here to. I mean, like on this podcast, hopefully I don't talk about City in terms that are too unfair, disparaging. I try to be pretty fair in my critique um, of different things. And I'm I mean, Klopp actually came up with it really well. He was like, you know, I feel sorry for those on the footballing side. I think just to sort of divert towards Pep, I think he does put himself a bit in the firing line only because, you know, he was an ambassador for the Qatar World Cup and there are reservations from that in terms of the, you know, the the building standards, the safety standards for for workers. And he kind of did put himself out there. And he also did comment on the situation in Catalonia. So it's almost like he takes a political stance on some things and not on others. And I, Look, I think he's one of the, obviously one of the greatest coaches the world's ever seen and I have so much respect for him in so many ways. I also think that he's too smart. He's too smart. He's, he's a, such a smart guy. Like he's a brilliant man intellectually. He's like, it's a bit like Xavi. They're both too smart not to know about the wider aspects. And on a more broad level, I want to put this beyond Man City. I want to say on a broader perspective, there are now very few entities in the world that can afford to buy clubs of this size, right? So this is only going to be a conversation that will continue because, do you know what I mean? There are very few, I'm not, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm saying that this conversation goes beyond Man City. As the inequalities in football continue to grow at the top end, this won't be the last time. And I would just advise fans who are kind of crowing at Man City's um, expense today, fans who are going, ha ha, City, you've done all this. Well, actually, that, that could be your club five years from now okay so just be understanding that this is not just a tribal issue this goes beyond allegiance
1: i think the timing of it was quite interesting because you had those two miguel delaney pieces come out last week where he was talking about how broken football is at the very top level yeah i'd recommend going and read them because yeah. they're, they're good they're really good yeah but i was listening to him on he was on on the continent last week with andy brattle and luke moore and he said something really interesting where actually we talk about football is this or football clubs as these huge businesses and that they're generating so much revenue and the money involved is, is gigantic. And he dropped a line which kind of stopped me in my tracks a little bit. And, he said, and, it, and it was really interesting because we don't think about this in a way. He said, compared to actual big business, football clubs are small fry. I think he said something like, Greg's in the UK makes more revenue in a year than Man United does in 10. Amazing. And something like Tesco's quarterly revenue is more than than what Man United would do in, in, like a, in 10 years or something. That's why
0: Miguel's one of the best, because he does that. He draws those parallels. But
1: then when you actually think about it in those terms, it's kind of wild because... The cultural space, they dominate. They feel bigger, don't they? Like, really they feel it's, bigger. It's, but then again, is that what they're there to be?
0: I think that this has been a really interesting moment for people to consider what their clubs are for and who they're for. Mm. Um, and like, like I say, I mean, and looking at this of on-pitch ramifications, just quickly stepping into the footballing side of what this means for City... I was talking to a friend earlier, this is a bit like shutting down Copacabana and Ipanema Beach for two years. People are going to stop going to Rio. And if you shut down the Champions League for two years for City, I mean, there's a lot of other attractive places to go. And I I just wonder now, City's squad is kind of ageing, you know, the top end, like the kind of that experienced end is ageing. They've got some young players, but that kind of older crop, there could be a fire sale. That is a concern, isn't it?
1: I don't really know how this is going to play out at all. It it could be one of those things that is just they go to the court of arbitra- uh, arbitration for sport, <laughs> sport court sport. of arbitration. I do that Yes, it's quite court cool. of arbitra- arbitration. I can't say that's really hard to say. The court of arbitration for sport, and it just gets Arbitant. knocked back, and yeah. then it's fine because that happens. That tends to happen a lot with these kind of things. There's big stories, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, you know this is going to happen," and then it goes to court, and it's like, "Oh no, it's done." But it's murky. Yeah, it's really murky, and it and it was. I think it's just an extension of the energy that a lot of these top clubs have with stuff like breaking away to, to form a Super League. And it's just, it's always more, 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 more. Yeah, And obviously sport is about winning, and it, but it's about competing. This might sound super idealistic here, but if the game's kind of rigged, how much fun is the winning? Like really, really, when you kind of know it's an, a, a semi-inevitability. It's like cheating on Football Manager and winning the league, every t- or winning everything. When you've kind of set up another account and been buying everyone's best players for nothing and selling all your worst players for the maximum amount of revenue that those other clubs have, it's kind of like what do you really get out of that? There's
0: a joylessness to it,
1: and that's from the sporting side because I obviously am fully aware of why these, you know, sovereign states buy football clubs of for course, this reason. But just on but a I'm foot- saying from a purely on- sporting perspective, absolutely.
0: But on a footballing side, I think you're right, and that's the thing as well. I think we look at. Looking at that FA Cup final when City absolutely just wiped out Watford and looking I'm not just I don't wanna be at a critique City, talking about Bayern as well. Bayern have won seven straight
1: well, this is the thing that goes Leagues. into Miguel's piece. Like, yeah. you know, about how you are—you have a lot more of these, you had a way more 100-point 100 seo- 100 seasons than you've ever had Two before. Two Spanish trebles in the last 10 years. In the last decade, Bayern have won seven straight. They're on course for eight. Potentially, they are top of the league. And they're looking like the best The even. most they'd ever won in their history before. That was three in a row.
0: It's a brilliant piece of analysis, that. We least.
1: could segue out of this a little bit before we head to a break because we had a question from Greg Johnson about this. Are we done on the City thing? We're kind of done. Yeah, right? we're I mean, kind of done. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it a lot more when... People the, know how we feel, yeah. yeah. Greg Johnson said, what are your best and worst case scenarios for what's left if a Super League forms and drifts off and would it be worth the risk to both the Super Clubs and the rest?
0: Okay, I think it depends how big the Super League is but I think if the Super League happens it's a huge opportunity for everyone who's left behind. Huge opportunity. I think that if the Super League does happen I would actually do really cool things with the European tournaments like reshape European football and make the tournaments really cool maybe go to like straight knockout as yeah. a situation no group stage and be like okay yeah. you've given us something to compete against we're going to make this more fun we're going to subsidise tickets for kids who can't afford we're basically going to say let's say there's a region of Germany where people don't earn much money and we'll, we'll send we'll fix the in, we'll index the ticket prices to be like people from that region pay this much to games on these match days we'll make a kind of fan zone make a real gala experience out of each tournament and we'll show everyone else how much fun they can have. And we'll say, this is f- football for the people. Mm. So basically the, 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 the Super League can do its own thing and we'll say, everyone else, this is football for the people. But it's actually, the weird thing about it is it's kind of a populist move to do that. To break away as a Super League almost reflects kind of populism of like, look at that elite over there. So it, comes, it becomes a bit Trumpian if you're not careful. Um,
1: Big Brexit energy.
0: It is, it is. a bit. Unfortunately, it's a bit kind of, they'd be doing a bit of a Brexit if they did
1: that. So we used to really hate the idea of a Super League. I'm kind of coming round to it more from the sense of, these guys want to do it, fucking do it. Like, get out of the way and let everyone else have fun. Yeah, because there's so, much,
0: there's so much fun everyone else is having without them.
1: That is massively determined on who joins the Super League. Yes, yeah, so that's the question, the size you know? of it. Yeah. So, for example, who would you take? All oh, right, let's maybe play a game. Let's play a game, Musa.
0: Do you know what's scare about this, though? Can I be, if we play a game who who's going to join the Super League, there's always going to be a couple that break your heart. That's the thing. There'll yeah. be the normal club, there'll be the buy-ins, but there'll be one or two clubs that break your heart
1: that so, you never saw coming. So from from the Premier League, Manchester City, yeah. Liverpool. Yeah.
0: Do you know it be nasty though? And here's the flip. Here's the thing where you might flip someone to the Super League you weren't expecting. If someone like Qatar comes in and buys Newcastle and says, okay, we're joining the Super League and this is our financial commitment, this is our financial plan for the next five, 10 years, we'll join the Super League, we'll have this manager, these players, so Newcastle basically join the Super League. Two years from now, we'll buy Jadon Sancho, we'll buy this person, this person, this person. And then that will be like, oh. Because the Super League won't just be a bunch of clubs. I reckon there'll be a couple of ones with the like, submit bids to join. And if you get that happening, then that's a game changer because it's always, the heartbreaking thing about political revolutions is always the ones you don't expect to flip. Yeah. And that to me is the danger of the Super League. That's why actually in a way, every scenario is a worst case scenario.
1: I just really wish, and again, I know this is super naive of me and super idealistic, but I just wish football would go the other way. I really wish it would just go the other way and, and accept that success is cyclical and that's okay. But I'm going to flip this to the NBA, right? And I know it's a different set of parameters and you have, it's a closed league and you have a trading system and a, and a draft every year. I'm fully aware that that makes it a lot easier to control in that sense. I'm a Pacers fan, right? So the Pacers are notorious for drafting really well but never drafting really high. Like they've never really been in the conversation. They've never tanked enough to get a... So basically, for the, just for those who don't know, I'm sure most people do, the lower that you finish in the NBA standings, um, the higher your draft pick the next season. Now, they've because people clocked and would essentially deliberately lose for a season as bad as they could when they knew that they were bad. They changed it now so that the people outside the playoffs essentially go into like a draft lottery. So you, even if you have the worst record in the NBA you're not guaranteed to have the number one pick next season. It just gives you a bit of a higher chance. So the Pacers are pretty consistently in the playoffs. They have the odd time when they're out of the playoffs, but they never draft really, really high because they've never tanked. But they're always there. And they're a smart organization. They're in a small market as well, which means it's really hard to get free agents. It puts in a set of realities there that the successes or the wins, they're kind of magnified. Yeah. So expectations are lower. But they kind of mean more for an organ- organization like that as opposed to, say, for like the Lakers, where it's, it's kind of expected that you're, you're that big, you know, and you're that successful. And obviously, yeah, the Lakers have had a weird period, but now they're top of the, top of the West. So, in a football sense, if you did clear off some of these super clubs, yeah, I wonder if actually it would end up a little bit like that you'd have this kind of like super dead out league. Do you
0: know what would happen? Do you know what's going to happen? I don't think Liverpool would join the Super League. I think, But then what's the point? No, that's the but that's the beauty of it. That's what I'm saying. I think that Liverpool, like, I think they've been in conversation. They, they might, but here's the thing. If they didn't, they'd rule everything else. And then you'd be, you'd get both, you get the best with words. Yeah, but then you've
1: not, but then you've not achieved anything really because the whole purpose of the Super League is to kind of increase parity.
0: No, but I mean from, I mean from the perspective of clubs because it's an interesting philosophical thing of being like, if you break away, you're basically like, permanently hate it. You will be like, I mean, some clubs don't mind that at all. But if you stay, and I think this is a question for players as well. If a player like leaves a Super League club and goes, I want to play with the rest of the football, mm-hmm. that person then attracts a kind of, almost like a cult hero status. But the, the scary thing is it becomes, it all starts feeling a bit, it all feels a bit like Brexit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like identifying yourself, are you a Super League watcher? Are you not? Are you like Remain? Are you, li- it feels, unfortunately, the inequalities of football are a mirror of the inequalities in society and they're forcing us into polarised positions that we don't really sh- hold. Like I voted Remain. I wrote this before, but I'm not a Remainer. Like I don't walk around You're with You're Ramona. Yeah. I don't, I don't walk around with the. It's not a thing. It's just like, I just thought it was better to be part of the EU than not. Yeah. Um, and that's really, it ain't that that's, deep. that's it. Yeah. It's not that deep. Like,
1: like I mean, current circumstances yeah anyway that's how I feel about it uh, we've gone on for ages should we take a break yeah, we've, we we've kind of gone on for ages without really saying anything we just kind of danced around it a little bit but hey that's how it it's our podcast <laughs> do what we want exactly <laughs> All right, we're back from the break and we're going to do a quick roundup of the games that I picked for the preview. So the first game I picked was Hoffenheim, Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga Frauen. Yes. Wolfsburg back with a bang after the winter break. They came with a Thor's hammer right there.
0: That is hardcore. 5-2 and they just controlled. Penel Harder got a couple, Alexander Pop, and they were kind of the two architects of that victory. Yeah. The opening goal for Rolfo, Harder picks out this beautiful cross and I think it looks up a split second before she plays it in the opener pops free kick I think for the three nil is maybe the goal of the game that
1: was lovely yeah left foot
0: top left and actually when she hits it it's like um she wraps her foot around and plants her foot Mm. and you see the ball follow the curve of her follow-through it's unbelievable Hoffenheim put up a really strong they put up a really strong um campaign this year but I think you know the Wolfsburg like winter break and the one all draw against Bayern I think it really stung them into action
1: it's allowed Bayern to get back in with a shot at the Champions League spots because they're level on points now with Hoffenheim after they won on the weekend. Yeah, Their only a, um, goal difference is one fewer for yeah. them. So uh, the other game was on Friday as well that I had. Borussia Dortmund against Eintracht Frankfurt. Dortmund, Dortmund, Dortmund. <sighs> what are you doing to us? This side... Peak, peak Dortmund. This side should be about six points clear at the top of the Bundesliga this They should. Season.
0: They just threw away that loss to, to Bayer. Yep routed a good Eintracht side and beat them in a way that was so patient and scored a variety of goals. Since the turn
1: of the year, Eintracht were undefeated and they were not conceding many goals after the first half of the season was a little bit of a struggle for Adi Hutter because obviously they lost pretty much that entire forward line in the summer and were nowhere near as explosive. And he really looked like he turned it around and this was a bit of a a reality check for them. But again, just a sign of what Dortmund can do. I think David Abraham's still sliding after
0: Sancho's goal.
1: that was a bit of a weird challenge, though. That was so lame, I right? mean, I mean, I saw the like, cut,
0: I thought, when he cut in, <laughs> Ro- Sancho cuts in yeah. off the flank, and he's already gone. He's already diving. Yeah, I was just like, oh, man. I said, no offence, I love Sancho, but he's not Baggio. Right. Like, I don't, he, he I don't was diving want, I, like it was Baggio.
1: I don't want to do one of those typical, hashtag, could Badish. have been professional leg injury comments but when I see some defending on a football pitch at elite level that I would be angry at myself for yes <laughs> we know we've got a problem it's yeah. like it's like what we said the other day like I should never be the coolest person in any room if I am <laughs> it's the wrong room. Is an is- there's it's an a, issue it's a problem. that we need to readdress this like super quick <laughs> <laughs> but yeah massive win for Dortmund yeah very impressive
0: and they needed that because obviously Bayern went to town on Cologne they scored like three goals in the opening 12 minutes or something
1: yeah, that was, yeah. was Cologne looked like they'd been at Carnival all weekend. Oh, goodness, yeah. But it's all interesting Ooh, Gladbach in the had Bundesliga. A great win. Gladbach
0: had a great win over Fortuna. You, you hit me to that. Gladbach are just fun. <sighs> Florian Neuhaus, glorious player, Marcus Turam.
1: Oh, they're just Two assists for Marcus f- Turam. They're just
0: beautiful to watch.
1: Mm, they're really good. So it's Bayern are top by a point. Leipzig are second.
0: Got a nice win. 3-0 for them against are yeah. you know, ah, Struggling. Shout out to Hertha, Got a 2-1 win. It was Paderborn, but still good, yeah. to, ba- good to bounce back.
1: Without Klinsmann. Yeah. He's gone.
0: Good for them. Good for them. Shout out to Wolfsburg. The men were also playing in Hoffenheim, 1-3-2. look out for him because he's got, I think, 10-21 in the league.
1: I mean, yeah.
0: A striker for the Dutch. And I only say this because I was having a chat with someone. Uh, I was having a chat with um, a Dutch friend this weekend discussing their chances at the Euros. And I said, actually, the one concern maybe is do they have the killer number nine. And I think someone like that as a sub really coming out, coming for the bench, could be dangerous.
1: Wolfsburg finally back to zero goal difference.
0: <laughs> that team, so funny. Just like Arsenal.
1: Yeah, so Gladbach have a game in hand. They're level on points with Dortmund. Gladbach win their game in hand. they go got a point behind Bayern. Oi, 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 the Bundesliga.
0: Go to that Liga quickly?
1: Yes. The, my game on Saturday was barcelona Getafe. Getafe should have got at least a point out of this. Getafe are... So good, man. They're so much fun to watch.
0: They're scary good. Like, they got the... They always had the kind of tactical fouling down pattern. They're yeah, but they're edged, not like... you know they've got not, more. They've got more they, to them. It's like... I don't
1: know. Because they were like... They were always good on shit out Rika weren't yes, they? Yes, but now they've had a different element. Yeah.
0: Very fluid. They've got like a nice range of goal scorers. So the youngest of their front three is 31.
1: You're obsessed with this little I fact. am, so I am keep...
0: obsessed with, I'm obsessed with it because it's like, that shouldn't be possible. Look, because that to me highlights the physical conditioning of the squad, if you consider how many more resources the clubs around them have got. I mean, Atleti, we look at Atleti and Mino, Atleti have got a huge wage, bill one of the biggest in Europe. Yeah. And to be above them in the table is extraordinary.
1: Actually, breaking news this morning, just before we started. So Barca have been given the green light to go and sign someone on a medical emergency. And the guy that they've been tipped to buy or they're going after is Angel Rodriguez from Getafe, who scored the goal of the game.
0: I mean, not saying that much, although...
1: I mean, to be fair, though, that goal that he scored was absolutely brilliant. So Griezmann,
0: I thought Griezmann's was beautiful. It was it, really it, good, actually, I because
1: the keeper the, looks like he... I think the keeper thinks he's going with his right. To
0: me, Griezmann's goal was the more artful. I'm just... Oh, I don't know.
1: I think the control on the Angel one, though, was just... I mean, side foot volley from the edge of the box. And Ter is...
0: Nobody's mug from that distance.
1: And he just... He knew.
0: He wanted no parts of him. Yeah. Yeah. Unlucky Getafe. Unlucky. Unlucky Real, two-all draw. Oh, thoughts They press. equalised the thoughts got a boot
1: in the face as well. Did yeah, you see that? Yeah, that was that? wild.
0: Tony Cruz scored the Tony Cruz goal of all goals. The side foot from the top of the box. Oh, no power on this, thanks. I'll just, you know, leather it in.
1: Lovely. Just caress it into the corner. Yeah. So let's uh, close the gap to one point at the top. We have a league. We do say. have league. We have there league. is league, as Sidlow said. Okay, so the game in... The two Sunday games that I picked were... Oh, we haven't even spoke about PSG. Oh my goodness.
0: Amiel. Now that... Gael Kakuta came through in his late 20s. saying like, that's the thing. But it's poignant. It's poignant because Ancelotti said he was the future of Chelsea when he was there. Oh no. The future of Chelsea. Like this player, Gael Kakuta was tipped so hotly. And if you look at the clubs he's been at since then, there's
1: such a range of clubs. And D- didn't Chelsea get in some trouble for, for that signing?
0: They did. And he never, his career never really regained momentum after it. Mm. And to see him so brilliant for really like the 70, 75 minutes of that game. He was outstanding. I mean, it was 3-0 when you told me to check it out. So I watched the rest of the match. And just, you know, when, when PSG fought back from 3-0 down, they got one goal back up a stroke half-time from Ander Herrera. And uh, went 4-3 up. Yes, they did. They did. And it looked at one point as if they'd score every five minutes yeah. at that point. And you just thought, okay, they're just going to steamroll with them. And to get the late equaliser was funny because one of the Amiens players collapsed at the end of the game. And I remember thinking... Is he collapsing because he's exhausted at the exertions or feeling like we could have won it because there was a lot of joy as well. And it felt mm. like to come back to 4 all, it felt like a victory, I think,
1: yeah. in a weird way. Yeah. The Amiens PSG game wasn't my game that I picked. So the, pit, the game I picked was, Le- was Lille-Marseille, uh, which yeah. was another cracker. I didn't catch that. It was really good. So Lille went 1-0 ahead. First half was 0-0 and I was a bit like, I oh, don't know if I picked a... Dead out game here.
0: that's me that's my job this week uh,
1: Lille took the lead Marseille missed a penalty and then got two in two minutes uh, Germain had a header which was went down as a, a, a Ranildo on goal I think and then two minutes later Dario Benedetto scored Andre Boris fell over it looked like he fell over like or slipped or something when he was celebrating but the camera panned away too quickly Amazing. to figure out but he looked so happy Yeah, he looked like so so genuinely happy because Lille is not, a, not an easy place to go to if you're anyone but PSG.
0: Yeah, real talk. And actually, shout out to uh, Mash St. Paddy. He had a question about Renato Sanchez. Oh, yeah, he did. And I he said, you know, is he, is he um, still a useful player?
1: I mean, yeah. was yeah, still he's, super young. Yeah, I mean, Bayern, I think it was maybe the money. And I mean, he was super young when he went there. Yeah,
0: I mean, from Lisbon to Munich, completely different setups. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah 100%. Too, too early. So that is a really, really good win for Marseille. They're comfortably in second now. And like we said last week, Fiasse Boris doing a very, very, very good job.
0: And also just such a great town, Marseille. Such a yeah. great art uh, to watch football. The food's great. The music's great. Do uh, you want to
1: play, uh, play something really quick? How old do you think Andre Viersh Boris is? I mean, so bear in mind his first gig was, so he was coach at Academica, right? Mm, in 2009. Yeah. So that's 11 years ago. 45. He turned 42 last October. Oh
0: my goodness. Even younger than I thought. Wow.
1: Good hair. All right, so my final pick for the five was uh, Lazio Inter, which was a cracker.
0: It was Ashley Young scoring the opening goal. I know.
1: Well, I tweeted that. I said Ashley, wow. York, Ashley Young has just scored for Inter, and that is a sentence that I never thought I'd ever say. I mean, it's a sentence
0: you might have expected to write twelve years ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe no. No, when no, Ashley no. Young was no. because Inter always no. had, do you know what? Stop because, it. Know why I, no. can I if I can just yep. if I can. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> If I could, no. <laughs> yeah, so opening goal um, well, about five time, and Lazio pulled one back. They win 2-1 in the end.
1: Yeah, Chiro Mobley penalty and then a really good goal from um, Milinkovic-Savic. They're really quite dangerous actually, Lazio. They're making a bit of a run. They really are. And
0: Juve are kind of flagging but still ahead of the 2-0, they 1-2-0. Oh,
1: yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like They're If just... Juve hadn't have won, Lazio... Lazio would have gone top. This is the thing though. These in, in...
0: We've seen this in spain and we've, and we've seen this in italy and we've seen this in germany the chasing pack are floundering just when they have the opportunity and i think it's mm. an experience thing i think because if you look at the common theme clubs like lazio clubs like inter don't have that many seasoned winners mm-hmm. does that make sense you've got the lazio team the inter team and the um the teams in the chasing pack like dortmund and leipzig and gladbach they haven't really been in sustained title races year in, year out. Mm. So they maybe lack that kind of, you know, championship DNA or experience. And maybe that's why, and also they're competitive leagues, but they're faltering slightly. Yeah. Like, I, I just want one of those two teams in, 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 um, in Italy to, to get over the line.
1: Uh, Roman got hammered by Atalanta. Atalanta. That's a game I thought might be interesting. Yeah. Illicic,
0: I mean, that's like a folk hero player. Illicic is just an absolute baller.
1: That was the five. We were, I think I lucked out for the first five. They were I good think, games. Yeah, you nailed it. It was a great pick. You're going to do this week's one. That'll that's be right. up Friday. That's right, yeah. So basically, go to the Stadio site. You can find it. If you haven't got Mob, go and download it. Yeah. And um, yeah. It's can same. I
0: have a quick name drop of why I was so smug when I got in?
1: We can in a minute because we need to talk about some of the games first. Yeah, let's do it. Premier League. So the winter, the weird, the weird Premier League winter break is over officially. Everyone's back next week. Spurs are a little bit lucky, weren't they?
0: They were. And it's just a bit of a... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Norwich and uh, Liverpool and a Spurs. Rag-tag. Yeah, just a ragtag. That...
0: Meh. Meh. I mean, like, Liverpool beat Norwich. I mean, the real highlight of that is just that stunning goal by Sadio Mane. Oh,
1: he's the best. Arsenal won a game, kept a clean sheet and scored four goals. And weirdly,
0: people were really, really unhappy before they scored the opener.
1: Well, yeah, the first half was dreadful. Mm. Big win that, 4-0. Ozil scored his first goal in 10 months. Lacazette scored. Bakayo Saka. A very nice assist. Ended although, some careers.
0: Although not as nice assist as people. I was like, oh, wow. It's like when Alisson did this amazing save. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, Alisson, Alisson. And I saw the save and I was like... It's good.
1: It was all about the Meg before though. It's good. Did you see what he did on his interview afterwards?
0: He posted the picture. Of, oh no, I, I didn't see the interview. So
1: Jamie Redknapp was showing it. He, he was being interviewed with um, Yang on, on Sky Sports after the game. Jamie Redknapp was showing him the, the footage of it. And as it, the replay shows him put the ball through, the, like when he Megs the guy, Saka just goes, whoops. <laughs> Eighteen years old, man. He's just, uh, Young just cracked up. It was so funny. So but
0: the, the brilliance of the nutmeg is the way he set him up for it. Yeah. Like he makes him opens his legs up, and yeah. he goes, then he goes for it. Was
1: it Bentaleb was there as well? He just kind of stood there, being oh, like, I don't want any part of this. So Liverpool are currently they are twenty five points clear. My oh, goodness. Okay, we had a question about the Premier League winter break. From Chris Norton he said, uh, would it be better to have the winter break right after New Year's Day-ish fixtures, then come back with the FA Cup third round? Yes, I Would think give so. all a break from a he- after a hectic Christmas, and it'd also be good to boost the FA Cup.
0: I agree, put some focus on the Cup, because it was just such a weird little... It was kind of like a... Yeah, it was odd. A little break, yeah.
1: non-break. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, I agree with that, Chris.
0: Also, can I say one other thing? I think I've mentioned this before, but there was a piece in The Athletic on the away breaks to Dubai. Mm. And the one abiding thing I took away from it about all the players going to Dubai was, I got this real sense of, oh my gosh, this was a really cool place, and now everyone's discovered it. It's not good anymore. Do you know what I mean it's like it felt like there were almost too many footballers out there? Yeah, that's how I felt about it. I mean, oh, yeah.
1: Not, yeah. Um. Thanks for everyone who submitted questions. We kind of covered a lot of them in the the stuff we were talking about before. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do one on Thursday, aren't we? Because Champions League is back.
0: Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: So we'll be doing a podcast Thursday. Before we go. Yes. Moose, uh, <laughs> I have a beaming yeah. Moose Rock Wonga opposite me um, so, for a very good reason. Go yeah, on, so name I'm, drop.
0: So yeah, the, the Laureus Sports Awards, by the time you hear this podcast, some of you, it will have been and gone. But this is the weekend of the Laureus Sports Awards. It's basically athletes who've done things beyond, that transcended the sport. Great conduct on the field, great development work in communities. So it's kind of like a star-studded um, award ceremony, which is happening tonight. And I'm very, very lucky to have got an invite because I did some work in this field a few years ago for different organisations and- Humble brag. Yeah, absolutely. And no, no, it's just brag. And <laughs> last night was invited to a lovely dinner at which Jill Ellis was present, the winner of two world cups. And we got to talk about tactics in the world cup final and the tournament. And I just basically made a beeline for her. I went straight <laughs> up to her and I was like, cause I knew, I mean, Ryan, you would have loved this because you're, Ryan, actually, I've got to say this in the podcast is someone who really helped me so much Getting into so the nuances of the women's game. Oh, stop it! No, it's true. Like the players to check out, and um, because I, you know, I can watch the game, but there's one thing when you get into a game, but then really a sense of the kind of the cultural hinterground. And yeah,
1: I don't know anything though. I'm,
0: yeah, yeah, but 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 what was great? So talking to to Jill was amazing because there were so many questions I had. And like me being a sort of a football sort of obsessive, just went straight and I said, "Look, the way that you used Alex Morgan in the tournament, this sort of defensive forward." Was so interesting because it was almost like a sacrificial role, and he was using the late runners from midfield. And she was like, "Yeah, yeah, like Alex Morgan occupying the centre backs." And I was just like, "Suddenly goes into this incredible deconstruction of tactics throughout the tournament, which was just mind blowing. I mean, how often do you get to hear that?" And then, so after that, I was then like, "Okay, um, you know, what sort of skill sets do you admire in players and other teams?" And I went to, I said, I spoke to Alexandra Pop, and she was like, "Oh my God, her face Aww. when I mentioned Alexandra Pop." You know, when you hear a professional talk about another professional in such glowing terms, and she said, to be honest, when Germany played us, they played us um, in the previous World Cup, I think 2015, and we beat them in the semi, I think, and Pop was out of position. She was playing wide and she says, dangerous there. She goes, because frankly, when she plays through the middle, she scares the hell out of me. <laughs> and I was like, I just loved hearing that frankness and that kind of, you know, the tactical side of it. It was beautiful. And at the end, the very end of the dinner, she gives a speech. And she's talking about the role of a coach. And she says, the coach, what are we as coaches? We're nothing more than the caretakers of dreams. And I was just like, oh. And she gives this talk. And I said, I think I said to you before the podcast, I said, it was like that moment in, um, what's that Robin Williams film? The Poet Society, when <laughs> everyone stands in their chairs and goes, oh, captain, my captain. I swear there are a, bu- a bunch of us that could have stood on our chairs at the end of that. She gives like a five minute address about the nature of coaching and how at the end of her career, she will not remember medals she remember moments and your job as a coach is to guide your players towards those moments i was just like oh my goodness that's, that's amazing a, yeah i was just an absolute joy to be in the presence of someone like that and her aura you hear about certain people i heard someone who was at a conference with pep guardiola shortly after he left barca who met him at a conference a friend of mine she's like a marketing conference a sports thing and she said pep guardiola's aura in person mm-hmm. is just extraordinary and i think jill ellis was the same yeah. So I did, I did get a selfie, which will be all over my social media very shortly. Oh, <laughs> that's a great story. She's wonderful. She's as wonderful as, you know, when you meet people and you have expectations, they say, never meet your heroes. Actually, she was someone I deeply respected before and I loved what she did, but she became a hero last
1: yeah. night. Nice. Well, if you're if you um, you going later as well, Arsene's going to be there. He is. So uh, I fully expect confirmation that we will have interviews lined up for the podcast with Jill Ellis and Arsene Wenger. And I,
0: I did ask, I did ask him. I said, cause the dress code tonight is uber cool. And I said, there are two jackets I could wear. This, this one or this, this one. And I said, do I have your permission to wear the kind of the out there one? And they're like, no, you've got to, you've got to wear that. Cause all the Wait. athletes are basically oh, okay. going, all the athletes are going uber cool. What do we wear? And they're like, you have to wear that one. So I'm going to wear that one.
1: Well, let's see. You got invited to an uber cool dress coded event, and I—what <laughs> were they thinking? Wow, big roll neck energy.
0: <laughs> I'm definitely wearing a roll neck as well. You can bet on that.
1: And if I was invited, I'd wear a cardigan with a t-shirt. I just said, "Fuck roll neck." You, would, you would, you <laughs> would. I'd Big role I don't Nick, really hate Roll You don't. You don't. I just good. become radicalized. <laughs> <laughs> Radical Rye. Right. Radical Rye. Right. Uh, should we get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. We're playing out this week on a track called Driving Down by Angel. And we'll be back on Thursday.
0: Good times, catch you soon.